I bought the. I bought it, and I read Chekhov's book. Okay. That you recommend, that you suggested last time, and I have a translation by Rosamund Bartlett. Okay. Um. So it's probably different to yours. Yeah. Constance Garnett. It's it's a short story in a collection of Ward Number Six and other stories. Mm. So. Oh, that one looks big. Most yeah. More stories, yeah, because mine's quite slim. <laughs> ah. Okay. <laughs> so, what did you think of it? So, this is the first time you read any Chekhov story. No, I've read his plays for school. His plays, okay. And I think I've seen a play live. I'm not really sure. I'm pretty sure I also read the lines out for English class. Okay. Yeah. Is it like Three Sisters? Um, right? I, oh, a specific play? play you're referring to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I'm not I familiar with the plays. But that's all I know. Yeah, and only because it was part of my curriculum. I see. Yeah, I'm not familiar with this place. Maybe I should read it now. But so it is then his first short story that you read. Yes. Which is different from plays. Okay. Was yeah. it different actually, as you read this one? Oh, it was so. It's so long ago. But I must okay. say that it's about like wealthy, bored people in Russia. The play. <laughs> I think he likes studying these types of people who well, have that is true. The characters are wealthy. People yeah. Are. Yeah. So just like sitting around and complaining about how bored they are and making up things to do. I think if I remember correctly. Yeah. So I kind of got a similar vibe from this story. Uh, yeah. Did you enjoy the play? Do you remember enjoying it or saying oh there's something no i guess not your face says no <laughs> it wasn't my favorite thing to read okay yeah. all right yeah <laughs> again it's been a long time sure yeah. yeah but why did you pick this short story out of the other stories that you read what, what was well, it this that? was the most recent one that i read Mm -hmm. um, and it was like maybe a week before I suggested to you where I just wanted to read a story. I, I, it's mm -hmm. been a while since I've read any short stories. Actually, mm -hmm. the last one was the one that we read together, mm -hmm. uh, Grief Midsummer. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was just tired of, you know, whatever reading that I do for my work. And so I just need a story. And this was the sh one of the shorter stories. And I just started reading it, and I found, you know, some many things interesting. Um, and it was only later, of course, like when I was reading some reviews, and you know, I sh we'll go, we could go over that later. That kind of pulled out what was interesting. Like one of the thing was, like it le leaves you uh, in midst of uncertainty, right? It doesn't give you any conclusion. Mm -hmm. How will they? Um, and then it just surprised me. The, the different turns of events or plots. Mm. Right? It, 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 sound, it started like, like yes, like bored um, you know, Russians, rich Russians, rich enough to be bored. And then it sounded like uh, uh, kind of a, an older man taking advantage of a younger 
uh, you know, innocent woman. Um, and then it turns out to be actually for them love. And then you question, is this a genuine love? Is this? Mm. Um, and then it ends with them wanting to make it public. So it, it it's an affair, but not what I would have expected how the affair would turn. Mm. So, but then the surprises didn't like shock you. Does that make sense? Like, my goodness, I never saw that coming. Like, mm. This guy is a really good storyteller. It, it just felt still everything within the character. Mm. So you start with this man who's very cynical, who's kind of, you know, used women, right? To mm -hmm. kind of fill up his time. Mm -hmm. But at the end, he does end up really wanting to be with her and loving this woman. Um, and that, and I also appreciate Chekhov's way of in telling how, how things are. Mm -hmm. And you know, there are little like, insights that he draws out about human condition. And, um, and what, what drives these characters is you kind of see, oh, that's a human condition that I understand. And I feel like it gives me insight not just to understand your story, but even like myself. Um, yeah, so those are the reasons why I did like it. Mm -hmm. What about you? I really enjoyed the descriptions. Yeah, I think I, I marked a couple of pages where I just really liked the way that it was written. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I didn't really expect, it wasn't shocking or anything, as you said, but I didn't expect the guy to fall in love. But then it was refreshing to me because he got what he deserved, <laughs> which is suffering. <laughs> that is true. Yes. You wanted him to suffer. Because yeah. that's the end to his, uh, you know, being a playboy. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I also really like the contrast, I guess, between the experienced older man and it's almost like a Lolita kind of story, isn't it? But not like that, that drastic. But she was so also because she was so penitent about it. Mm. Yeah. And you kind of think, oh, is she going to not go through with it? And it kind of leaves right. you. You're like, oh, what's going to happen? Yeah. And then she goes through with it. So, and then how she feels after—that was very realistic, wasn't it? Like how she feel, kind of feels guilty about it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and the way it was expressed felt realistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think they're pretty like astute observations of what they, what characters might say. Yes, yes. How they might, you know, react and stuff yeah. like that. So. Yeah, the Russian writers, they're very good at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so actually Nabokov uh, said that this is one of the best like, short stories. And mm -hmm. there is some theory that, you know, he might have been inspired uh, to write a little from this, right? This relationship mm -hmm. between the older and younger. Uh, but what he draws out is that, and what I think Chekhov is actually well known for is one is that he's not, judgmental of the characters mm -hmm. so you hate this male guy who seems to be just 
Like in one sense, you know, like he's abusing his power in many of these relationships with other women. And this seems to start like that. Um, so, but yeah, he, but he's, you, you, he's not judging, even as he is being honest with his humanity and he's, you know, scheming, <laughs> right? Um, and, and also, like Nabokov was saying, that it's one of those stories where it, it it's doesn't, it's not plot driven and it doesn't end with the resolution. And that's what he kind of appreciated about mm -hmm. this short story. How did you feel about the, the ending? Let's see. So you mean like did they kind of like did the, the characters get what they deserved or kind of on the literary perspective, like how it ended? Oh, it meant more of there was no resolution. Yeah. Do you enjoy that kind of story? Was it what you expected? Was it satisfying or not? So in my first reading, yeah, when I turned the page and I realized that, so for me, the end code, like there's a huge blank. I was like, wait, what a minute, what? <laughs> How could the story end here? Like, you, you know, you didn't know, right? As you turn the page and then mm -hmm. I turned the page and then one paragraph, like how could anyone end the story right here when mm -hmm. they've just made a decision? Mm -hmm. They're gonna figure it out, and uh, we don't know. So, mm. so th there is just that first, uh, and then I do like it actually. I do like it when it doesn't end with a clean resolution and all the problems are solved. It, it's almost uh, kind of a more of a like the postmodern or the current short stories where they will not like not. The author will not give you a resolution, mm. and he wrote it when, like, right? more than a century ago, and he, mm -hmm. he comes up with this. I think that's a bold move back then, probably bolder than now, right? Mm. Yeah, it's quite quite modern, and also at the yeah. same time pretty realist. Yeah, um, yeah, it'd be, yeah. I think part of it also saves this person, the writer, from having to um, work out the future <laughs> this complicated couple. That's true. <laughs> it's That's a bit true. of a cop-out, but at the same time, it sort of leaves it to your imagination to say, you know, this is going to be a complicated, long affair with the end. I think it says something about, like, the end is a long ways away or something. Um, that is a good point. So maybe <laughs> Chekhov's like, you know what? I have no idea how to end this. So I'm going to end it right <laughs> here. The deadline is tomorrow. Send it in. And we're like, oh, what a postmodern move. <laughs> and it could be the most practical reason. <laughs> I mean, it is a good way to end it, though. I think I do also like that open-ended. You know? And I also feel like the title of it, The Lady with the... The lady with the little dog. Mm -hmm. The lady with the dog was my translation. With the dog. Oh, okay. It's like it's so vague. It's yes, yeah, in the start, right? Yeah. And but I, I like that. To me, that title tells me it never lost the initial charm. Huh. 
we came across that image on the first page of the story and that's the title of the whole story so it never really lost that original vision of what this was i guess mm. she means in a right. way right that's yeah. interesting yeah. and then now that you mentioned that another way for me to think about it now is like you start with just any lady and what's peculiar about this is a lady with a dog, but then we really get to know this lady and get to know the name. And in one sense, like we're discovering more about her with the main character. And mm. at the end, like she he commits to this one woman. Mm. It's not going to be just any woman from here on, just this one woman. Mm -hmm. you know, come what social, you know, judgments. So uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's another way to kind of see it. The, the lady mm -hmm. with the dog becomes that one woman for, for him, the only. Yeah. Even though it's not a defined, it could, it could have been anyone. Right. It's that lady, that one lady. That is true. Also, I think the description doesn't make her, doesn't paint her to be like a beauty or anything. She's quite ordinary with maybe yes. beautiful eyes. Right. But, you know, so it's like, love is ordinary in a way mm, right yeah that's that's a good point that's right yeah and, and yeah that's the part of the realism too i think mm. it's not because of this amazing model-like beauty that he's taken uh she is not more beautiful than all the other ladies but this lady with the dog has some charm connection mm. And what's funny in this context is that, like, you know, maybe it's the forbidden that makes them drawn to her, you know, because they're both married. But it's not because it sounds like society at this time, the rich people are so bored that he slept with, like, everyone in his sort of, you know, close circle. <laughs> right? Like, he's slept with these cold beauties and he slept with um people who like to do this for sport whatever yeah and so it makes it sound quite common that these infidelities take place and then it's like the one infidelity that's like the love of his life you know right so it's it's not even like a forbidden thing even though it is but it's like it could have been common but then it was extraordinary. Right. Huh. Yeah. Like she could have been the cheap girl that she keeps worrying she's about, she is, but right. then yeah. and she wasn't. Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I also like that part that we do get to know her inner psyche. It's not just from the male's perspective. Um, although, again, it's still... The main character is the male, right? And the transformation he goes through. But Chekhov still is fair to the woman and gives us a real person mm. character. Mm. And so even that, yeah, her's like, oh no, I cheapen myself. And that that is, as I said before, realistic and also still makes her charming, right? And then how the man responds to it, which is first that like, he's annoyed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you remember that? And then, and then he tries to soothe her, and then it works. Uh, and it would seem at that point, like when I was reading, like, oh, okay, this guy is gonna get tired of this woman and gonna throw away just like the other woman, but doesn't. Mm -hmm. 
So again, something clicks, connects for him. Um, mm. But that that right there is so realistic. Like he didn't fall head over heels for her. He wasn't even expecting this to happen. Mm. And there's all the little annoyance that happens in any relationship, and yet she's still the one. Mm. She's she, it's not because she's paragon. Like she's not like any other woman. No, she's like all the other women. She type he types the woman right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's that was interesting. Mm. That's also quite realistic, isn't it? It just kind of yes. happens, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sometimes, not all the time, but I think also he. There's that passage that I really liked where okay. um, he sort of notices the beauty of earth and life and nature i think and he appreciate everything seemed beautiful that one night when they took a cab somewhere remote mm-hmm. and she looks beautiful in the silhouette of the moon or whatever in the dark and i think there was to me that was sort of like probably what he remembered um it's like after after she cries and then he he calms her down and then um, they take a cab to Orianda yeah and they look at the scene not saying anything and then there's morning mist and white clouds and um, yeah it says something about the eternal. Mm-hmm. And about how the ocean is there making noises that transcend time and human existence and permanence. Yeah. I found it. Do you want me to read that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Right. So it must have been sounded. Okay. So, yeah, at Orienda, they sat on a seat not far from the church, looked down at the sea, and were silent. Yalta was hardly visible through the morning mist. White clouds stood motionless on the mountaintops. The leaves did not stir in the trees. Grasshoppers chirruped, and the monotonous hollow sound of the sea, rising up from below, spoke of the peace of the eternal sleep awaiting us. So it must have sounded when there was no Yalta, no Orianda here. So it sounds now, and it will sound as indifferently and monotonously when we are all no more. And in this constancy, in this complete indifference of the life and death of each of us, there lies hid perhaps a pledge of our eternal salvation, of the unceasing movement of life upon earth, of unceasing progress towards perfection. Sitting beside a young woman who in the dawn seemed so lovely, soothed and spellbound in these magical surroundings, the sea, mountains, clouds, and the open sky. Gurov thought how in reality everything is beautiful in this world, when one reflects everything except what we think or do ourselves, when we forget our human dignity and the higher aims of our existence. That's kind of out of the blue. Right. Yeah. Because right before was this annoying scene where she's crying and she's like, oh, I don't want to sin, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, the most beautiful night he's ever seen. How do you take that? Did it work for you? 
I really like that passage. I yeah. Um Yeah, he sort of looks beyond himself here, mm. where he mm. doesn't really do in other mm. parts of the story. Mm. So, yeah, about human dignity and the higher purpose of existence. Everything is beautiful on this earth. Yeah, so it almost seemed like, to me like some kind of mirroring a description of love maybe like mm -hmm. some transcending mm -hmm. mundane life even though they're living a very mundane day-to-day yeah. -day routine where every day mm -hmm. they meet yeah. but feel something more yeah. so yeah what did you was that a passage that stuck out to you or oh yeah i mean i yes that was one of the passages and that I would have wanted to also read and and like first of all, I mean, good writer, right? So he writes it well, but then he makes it work within the story itself. And I think for me, the reason why it works is like I do think like we do have those moments when we are and um, whether it be peaceful when we suddenly reflect upon these big things of life mm -hmm. or there's a sense of like where I lose my individuality and I realize I'm part of this larger thing mm -hmm. that is even before I came to know that I am right mm -hmm. I think we have those moments and and it doesn't come when always when you are seeking that right it does come into surprising moments mm -hmm. and so it works mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I think in lesser hands, maybe a writer, it might be jarring, mm. but it somehow captures how we have these epiphanies in the mundane things. And it could be that he is completely at peace with her at that moment where he is not trying to uh, justify his life or whatever, or the ego, and he's trying to prove himself. Like he's just happy and suddenly he loses himself in the moment. Um, it could be that, uh, and then and then the next scene is someone interrupts him, and he just <laughs> go back to the daily routine, and we just hide how it happens or how life happens. Um, but yeah, yeah, it worked, and it's a beautiful passage. And I do think if we take out that passage, it will be less powerful. Yeah, I think so too. Right? Yeah, it says someone most likely a night watchman came up close peered at them and then went away even that detail <laughs> mysterious and beautiful too <laughs> so it was just a magical moment yeah yeah but i wonder if this is the moment that you know that's like holding him like having him hold on to her mm. like magic that in a way yeah. she enabled i guess yeah 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 that is interesting yeah yeah you're right i think so i i didn't see it that way when i first read it, i was like oh this is a really good reflection on existence some deep philosophical reflection that i'm reading some very important short story <laughs> <laughs> but you're right it, it is a shift um 
Maybe he didn't see huh? the magic before this moment. Hmm. He was just bored and a Yalta and trying to sleep with anybody. You know, <laughs> this magical feeling of existence, you know. <laughs> and she was in it. <laughs> yeah. So maybe it could have been anyone else. Maybe. But it was her that triggered well, this. That's the paradox of, of, of love, right? Uh, so I do want to talk about that, like just about what does, why does a person love another person? I think that's goes kind of beyond just the book itself. That's something I do want to talk about with you. Um, but there's another part I do want to read. And this is when there's, when she departs. Mm-hmm. And I do wonder if, if there's also another place where there's an inner tra- change in him. But maybe he doesn't notice until later. And I'm just saying this as actually I, I'm reading it with you. Um, this young woman whom he would never meet again had not been happy with him. He was genuinely warm and affectionate with her. But yet in his manner, his tone and his caresses, there had been a shade of light irony, right? Of a kind of a cynic, right? The coarse condescension of a happy man who was, besides, almost twice her age. All the time she had called him kind, exceptional, lofty, which is what men like. Right? Obviously, he had seemed to her indifferent from what he really was. Oh, I'm sorry. Obviously, he had seemed to her different from what he really was. So he had unintentionally deceived her. So I wonder if that's a little bit of a self-reflection that happens. Mm. Um, but kind then... Of, Contrast with part two, where it says he was never as genuine as he was with her. Because he had the public life and then the secret life, which was the real him. Mm. I guess that sort of reverses this initial cynical side. Yeah, right. And and that could be because it's it's through this, through her, that he recognizes the deception Mm. that he has. And so now that is, or her, being with her is where, like, he no longer deceives because he could see the deception. No, he could share the deception. Maybe her guilt caught on. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> he felt guilty, too. Right. And that guilt was sincere. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess he becomes more honest with himself. So and that's another thing too. I think maybe I think I wonder if the deepest connection is when you feel like you can be more you. Mm. That's where you have the deepest connections. Mm. So. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how open you can be with another human being in general. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, I also, I'm not sure what I feel about this, um, like it's what third person omniscient, but we only hear his thoughts and then nothing about the woman. We only hear her through dialogue. So we have to wait for her to say something in order to, or like her looking at him with love or something like that. At the right, theater, right. yeah, it's third person, but it's still from the male. Good off, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not private to uh, the woman's inner thoughts as much as we are to good off. Mm. Yeah, yeah. 
But I, I guess, well, Chekhov being a male author, that makes more sense. Like, he observes that. Um, okay, this is this is another, this is an aside, but <laughs> there's something that I really liked. Yeah. There. <laughs> it was just a really, just a detail that, I don't know, I mean, smile. Where he arrives in St. Petersburg to find her. Mm-hmm. And then he took the best room in the hotel or whatever. And then he figured out where von Dieteritz, the husband, lives from the porter. But then there's the last sentence on in the paragraph that says, the porter pronounced his name wrong. The porter pronounced his name as Dieteritz instead of von Dieteritz. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. I was like, that's so, that's so random. But now I can visualize the porter saying his name wrong. Right. And his contempt. (laughs) (laughs) I can just, you know, place myself there. Right. Yeah. It's like one sentence where I was like, oh, I'm like there now. I can sort of, this suddenly made it really present in a way. Like how his name sounds. Right. Yeah, what a writer. Yeah. I I didn't see it that way, but you're right. That small little detail and a work a detail that really works brings you in and you can see it, but it also reveals something about the characters too, right? That detail. Mm. Cause it's like why? (laughs) Did he feel Victor like good that the porter mispronounced his name or It just, right. yeah. 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 Uh, also, when uh, when Gudo finally uh, reveals himself to her, right, having visited her, and she's shocked. What did you think she, her response would have been, would be like as you're reading? Did you expect her to? Mm, well, my hope was that she would just reject him, but I okay. think realistically, in the in, in this story. Um, you sort of need a tragic ending. Uh-huh. So <laughs> you need them to love each other. <laughs> so you expected him, her to uh, return the love? No, I, well, I wasn't sure. Okay. But the first shock that she expressed for me, I hoped yeah. that she would reject him. Yeah. But... Again, given how she responded in the first instance where she was feeling super guilty, but she still went through with it, mm. you know, it wouldn't break her character to still be with him, you okay. know? Yeah. What What did you think? I thought she would reject him. I thought maybe <laughs> she's like, she's younger and she had experience and now she would become like him. Like, what are you doing here? Right. Mm-hmm. It was just a affair just one night and then he will come heartbroken and that will be the uh what is it the the world uh giving back what he threw at you know the world so mm. uh, reaping what he sowed mm. that's what i thought would happen but she does mm. give back that love yeah so yeah that's him back yeah. which i was mad about <laughs> The guy also um, he becomes more and more self-reflective, I think, and in a literal sense, because he approaches her in the hotel room, 
looks in the mirror and then sees himself really aged. Yeah, and sure. to me it was almost like a portrait of Dorian Gray kind of moment. Well, I thought it was going to lead into something like that where he he saw himself like horribly, you know, whatever. We'll go back home, but, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It wasn't that dramatic, but at least you can tell that he is um, aware of the situation more than mm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's not just like a, a she's a, she's his plaything. He's aware of the dynamic of how old he is and how young she is, and you know how she could have been. He mentions his daughter and how she only a few years ago was in school. Yes, so he's yes. like very aware of their dynamic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he's not like delusional. Right. Right. But although he is, but right. yeah. 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 So yeah, just from a story perspective, like I could see it happening in real life like that, mm-hmm. where a person goes, try to find that one affair and now it's become so meaningful and then it's not happening as he wants it. And then he suddenly realizes, oh, what the heck am I doing here? Kind of stuff. And it and what a choice by a writer to make that, add that scene. That's just, that's just mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you think now, he's happy? I'm sorry. Do you think he's happy? Because they repeatedly say she looks miserable, but do you think he was ever happy? Rudolph was ever happy when you mean like before? Like in life in general? Uh, it seemed like he wasn't. He wasn't able to find satisfaction. Mm. I mean, for whatever reason. Is it that he didn't find her, or it maybe it's through her that he becomes a bit more giving, more open, and less selfish, and that's why now he could find happiness. Right? Love. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Love, as we think, it's the object of love that makes us happy, but maybe the object of love is the one who changes us to make us happyable. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's no such word, but you know what I'm talking about. Right? Are they happier though? I don't know. I think they're spiraling. Uh, yes, yes, okay. Well, it seems like they are happier, knowing that there's got they got a whole lot of uh, social things to overcome, social judgments and all that. But it seems. They're in that in that kind of uh, uh, that love delirium, right? Mm. And if it's just us two, if we, that's all it needs. Did you, did you find yourself now rooting for them or not? No, I wasn't rooting for them. Uh, no, not even after both of them say yes, let's make it public. You weren't rooting for them. No. No, <laughs> you want them to die. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I wanted. In a way, I wanted to, I sort of, okay, this would have been too cliche, but I sort of expected them to kill themselves at the end or something and put themselves out of their continuing misery, (laughs) but they did not. So they're too rooted in life, I think. I did root for them at when, when those two said, I want to, coming to each other and make it public, right? Mm. Now they're gonna, not going to stay in this affair. Uh, they want, so they really believe in this relationship. 
how that seems to be impossible. And I guess that kind of goes back to maybe this is where it ends because there's no way <laughs> that this could, uh, and yeah, it would damage so many uh, relationships. And but how are we going to do it? How he asks, holding his head in his hands. How? And and it seemed that in a little while a solution would be found and then a new wonderful life would begin. But it was clear to both of them that the end was still a long way off and that the most complex and difficult part was only just beginning. Which is a very uh, positive way of describing their situation because uh, <laughs> there's a solution. <laughs> yeah. I think if the story ended happily, it would have defeated the original realism oh of course yes so i could only imagine an a less happy future but i don't know yeah. it reminds you of like gustave flaubert's crap what's her name um or the lady of the camellias I think it's a novella. The Lady of the Camellias is is an Alexander Dumas novel, and anyway, it's also sort of an impossible romantic story where it's a tragic one between uh, a courtesan and a young bourgeois man who's in love with her, but they can't be together really. Or Gustave Flaubert, who discusses a really unhappy woman in marriage. Um, Madame Bovary. Oh, okay. I haven't read it, but yes, I'm familiar, but... It's like unhappy <laughs> <laughs> lovers. Uh -huh. <laughs> and yeah... yeah. Anyway, just sort of reminded me of this sort of tragic love story. Right. Yeah. You wanted to discuss. Um, yeah. So, you know, when. Uh, like, so love as in. If, when you are in love, you feel like that's the only person, but it could also be any person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It could be actually. And I think maybe the short story does kind of, it is, again, like, but then he has so many different experiences, but why was it this one woman? Could it be that maybe also that he was, he had come to a point where he could now? So it's more of a timing thing. Mm. Right, so if you well, met that lady. It's important to yeah. who you meet. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for you and the story of how you met your wife, that also seems quite important, the timing of it. It's true, yeah. yeah. For me as well, if I hadn't met the person during lockdown, I wouldn't have gotten to know them as well. Right. So, but it could have been, it could have been any other friend that my flatmate had. Right, but, right. Yeah. So it's something like if it feels maybe you know people talk about love as destiny or fate, but it's so much of it's also so accidental. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I think part of the reason why we want to be destiny or fate is because we want to be secure in that. Mm. Uh, then, then we have no doubts. But if it's accidental, you begin to think like, huh, what if I met someone else? Could my life be better? Mm. And, you know, you go back and forth. Like one is, oh, life is all the same. It doesn't matter who you meet. But really, I think relationships do matter. And there's some friendships that really shifts you and your self-understanding. Mm-hmm. I think that's true of a romantic partner or someone who you, more than any other friendships, go more deeply because you, you live with that person for a long time of your life and you're spending the most intimate moments of your life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the nights, the evenings, as you sleep, as you wake up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I think before marriages were like a contractual affair in families and then once you transition into you know individualized modern kind of life and you we suddenly have this narrative of romantic love it's like but what binds you then in the end if it's not like sex you know it's like we need to believe in a different sort of contract so it has to be like supernatural has to be fate has to be the one you know I feel like it's sort of a different kind of narrative coming into play where we need to like find <laughs> a reason yep. <laughs> to stay right, together right. and not be polygamous in a way. I don't <laughs> right, right. Mm. Yeah, and, and and I would do wonder with our now because we put so much in that one marital relationship. There's so many different factors. One is people live longer. <laughs> and mm-hmm. people change mm-hmm. um, and you're right marriage as a contract means that there were still other deep intimate relationships it doesn't necessarily have to be sexual but it's other deeper relationships you don't have to put all of your emotional relational need into individual mm-hmm. whereas now like i think we demand that we mm-hmm. want that and that's partly to support that story Mm. To say that the reason why I want to stay with her or him forever is because she, she or he meets all these needs and you can't. Mm. And I do wonder for the healthier reasons, uh, for the health of, uh, yeah, I, I, just to have more of an open relationship. Mm. Because it, it brings out other parts, other parts of yourselves. I feel like you you don't get to, it doesn't get to come out if it's in that one single relationship. So, I mean, there is, I think, definitely relationships with you know, the opposite sex that's cut off. But also mm-hmm. even my male friendships, too. I feel like that's, I'm not, I can't really deeply engage with my friends as much as definitely before marriage, right? So... Mm. I mean, I there's, a <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of factors that come into that because it's also like the nuclear family that needs to. You're the support unit for each other, and yeah, that's that takes up most of your time. Yeah. But um, yeah, I had a thought that escaped me, but but yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, like if emotions are what bind you, you know, you grow as people and you can grow apart too. 
I assume. Yeah. yeah. So even if you don't fight, I can easily imagine like you just grow into different people, yeah. you know? Yeah. If that's if that emotional aspect is what bound you in the first place. I don't know who's to yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. It's really precarious in a way. <laughs> I was having this with some friends recently. And they're like, yeah, romantic love is just the hardest. <laughs> right. If we're huh? expecting too much from it, if we're expecting too much from it, romantic love. Yeah, because right? before it was just sort of arranged, you know, as it still is in certain places, and it's not as complicated. But now it's like a very careful, orchestrated dance with a lot of people, with a lot of potential people. Right, mm. right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a lot of risk, a lot of chances, a lot of, you know, courage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All great things to think about as you're engaged and committing to one individual for the rest of your life. <laughs> and you are still married. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I just think, like, yeah, marriage should be more open. <laughs> All relationships should be more Much. open. <laughs> Is your room soundproof? <laughs> Do I cut this out of the podcast? <laughs> No, we are considering ideas here. That's all we're doing, considering ideas.